Hi, I'm Sammy Shulman. I'm Josh Siegel. I'm Yoni Pruce. And I'm Aaron Kirkpatrick. And welcome back to The Floater. Uh, today, we're doing a very special podcast, our first longer podcast, which we're going to try to do maybe every weekend. Um, and it's going to be about if the NBA season had ended, uh, what the awards and the all-NBA teams would look like. And so let's get into it. Anybody want to suggest? I'll take it off the bat. I'm assuming let's go MVP first. Sounds fine. Um, Obviously, there's the two-heat race that everyone argues, Giannis versus LeBron. For me, I chose Giannis. I I also chose Giannis. Did anybody not? I think it's pretty obviously Giannis. I I chose Giannis as well. People were trying to make it into a media narrative that it would have been closer. It would have been closer because with Giannis hurt, let's say even he misses 15 games, it would have been a lot closer. But if the season were to end today, the stat that stood out to me was not only is Giannis only playing 30 minutes a game, but he's averaging 28 rebound or 28 points, 13 rebounds, five assists. The only players to ever do that: Wilt, Oscar Robertson, Giannis. End of list. That is wow. Yeah. So when you're in that company, you know, the interesting fact, though, that goes along with that, uh, that stat is that Oscar Robertson and Wilt Chamberlain, when they averaged those numbers, uh, they did it three times and only won one MVP. Oscar Robertson did not win an MVP, averaging 28, 13, and five. Well, also remember the MVP was just the way it was awarded. Well, it was player voted. Yeah. I mean, so interesting, though. Giannis right now has the seventh best PER season of all time. Right. I yeah, mean, this he's season, already at ten win shares and his, yeah, he's off the charts. He has his PER this season is thirty one point six, comparatively to LeBron's twenty six. Right, is PER yeah. a cumulative stat? Yes. yes. Right. I mean, if the season continued, I could have seen LeBron winning MVP, but because the season ended when it did. It seems pretty obvious. It was definitely Jordan who came up with the coronavirus because he didn't want LeBron to get mm-hmm. another MVP or another title. So props to Jordan there. Big props. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm so Yoni, you also picked that. Giannis? I did also pick Giannis. Do we want so to go the I... floater MVP for the 2019-20 season is Giannis. Do we want to Giannis. go through like a top three of who we all picked? I, I, uh, I only looked really at Giannis and LeBron. If I had to say who I think would get the third most, it would be Harden, just because 35 points speaks for itself, despite the fact that I think he's had a worse year than recent years, but that's who I would put in my top three. I can't disagree with that. I think if Kawhi or Paul George could play, like, play uh, the whole season. I mean, Paul George. Would, make Paul, not Paul George. Yeah, I would Paul George. Luka. Is, yeah, personally, I went with Luca. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I wouldn't be. I mean, he's, he's on a 29-99 season. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Leading Dallas to a pretty deep yeah. in the West. I, yeah. yeah. Like Dallas as a five seed is just as impressive as the Lakers as a one seed to me. Yeah. Yeah, especially with it, Luka and Kristaps. Right. Yeah. Just have been a fantastic. And like Doncic won rookie of the year last year and has a case for most improved this year. Like, uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's something. Let's, let's get to there eventually, but I say we now jump to rookie of the year. All right. Um, I'll start us off here. I said John Morant. And to be honest with you, it just is. Yeah. I'm really, yeah. yeah. I think we can all agree that the best rookie is Zion. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you can't give it to someone who played 19 games. Exactly. Right. If the season hadn't got cut short by Corona, I wouldn't have 
I would have aired. No, no. I would have considered Zion if there was a full season. If there was a full season and they made the playoffs and Memphis didn't. Okay, yes. That is one of the scenarios. That would mean Giannis had to come back. That's fair. That's a scenario where I'm okay with Zion winning it. But aside from that, it's jaw. It is. Yeah. I don't know. Even if they played a full season and Zion got more games, not more than the 19 he does now, I would have stuck with it. Right. Yeah. There would have been too many variables that would have had to occur where Zion beats out Jaw. I agree. Yeah. So, I mean, also, Jaw's averaging like 18, 3, and 7. Also, which is it's the same thing to me as Luca. The Grizzlies being the AT right now and having a sizable lead is impressive to me. And it's mainly yeah. due to Jaw. So, yeah. It really is. They're so a fun team to watch just there. in general. Yeah, I had. I made a yeah. I made a top four for my rookie of the year, and I said Jaw, Zion, Kendrick Nunn, and then RJ. RJ, wow. Yeah, um, RJ. I feel like we'll discuss this more when we get to the rookie thing. Yeah, okay. yeah. So for now, do you guys want to go to sixth man? Sure. Sure. All this right. was one of the hardest decisions for me. Yeah, I, I, uh, Josh, what did you, what did you end up with? So it came down to Dennis Truther and Lou Williams for me. Huh. And the numbers are identical almost with two of them. If you just pull up the player comparison, it's kind of scary. The Really, the only difference, the sizable difference in any important stat is Lou Williams is averaging one and a half more assists and Dennis Schroeder is shooting 6% better from the field. Otherwise, it's pretty similar. I wound up giving the edge to Dennis Schroeder because yeah. he's a little bit more valuable defensively. Um, also... I just think of him more with the Thunder than I do Lou Williams with the Clippers at this point. Um, but you will have zero arguments from me if you went with Lou Williams. So I'm going to go next, if you guys don't mind, because I I was looking at those two, and then I chose somebody else, and the player yeah, that I chose... I didn't go with either of them either. I chose Montrez Harrell. Interesting, okay. And let me give you the case for Montrez Harrell. So Montrez Harrell averaged, like, if you're rounding up, both or all three of Schroeder, Williams, and Harrell averaged 19. They all averaged between 18.6 and 19. Um, in terms of assists, it doesn't make sense to compare. Rebounds, it doesn't make sense to compare. But I do think it's fair to combine the two. And when you do that, they're all around eight. And so what stands out to me is the fact that Harrell's shooting better, mostly because he's a big man. But then his defensive value compared to any of theirs is astronomical. And it shows in the win shares where Harrell is at seven which is the same as Lou Williams and Schroeder basically combined, who are both under four. And so to me, win shares is an important stat. And for Montrez Harrell to be coming off the bench and doing that is not only impressive, but historically impressive because players off the bench with less than 2,000 minutes played, which is what I kind of had to use because of the shortened season, with seven or more win shares would be Steve Kerr in 95, 96, Ennis Cantor on the Thunder, and Montrez Harrell this year. So that's so, my Montrez Harrell case. I personally, I went with Dennis Schroeder just because I was comparing Lou Williams and Dennis Schroeder and they are very similar as Josh did say. But I think, Sam, you might have just convinced me. Yeah, I agree. Because, I'm looking at it right yeah. now. It's, yeah. Harrell is a 23.1 PER compared to Schroeder at 16.8 and Williams at 17.2. And one more thing that I'm, I'm looking at it right now is like offensive win shares. Harrell has 4.5. To Lou Williams and Schroeder's 2.2 and 1.9, respectively. Like, it's just not very close there. 
Yeah. So, I mean, personally, one of the stats that I really like to look at is offensive rating and defensive rating, the amount of points they let up or score per right. possessions. And mm-hmm. for Dennis Schroeder and Lou Williams, it's very similar at like 110 for both offense and defense. But then Montrezl Harrell, he's at 119 for offensive rating and 107 for defensive rating. So he's the best in both he, those categories. He is the best in both those yeah. categories. And I, right. that is a very good stat to look at. Yeah. If you so, want to prove impact off the bench. I kind what of went, say, KP? I went completely off the reservation. Wait, I'm sorry, but Josh, did you decide Lou Williams or Dennis Schroeder? I decided Dennis Schroeder, but you've convinced me on Montrezl Harrell. All right, let's – okay, cool, but let's see what Aaron S. is at. So I went completely off the reservation with my pick. I picked Alf of the Utah Jazz, Jordan Clarkson. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'll just give you some simple stats. They're not as flashy. He has, coming off the bench, 15.6 points per game. 1.6 assists, 2.9 steals, and 0.8 steals per game. Percentage-wise, he's shooting 48 from the field, 37 from beyond the arc, and 78 from the line. So those aren't like the most flashy stuff, but the stuff I looked at more is kind of like a whole view of what he, his impact on the bench has been. So pre-Jordan Clarkson on the Jazz, the Jazz bench had a plus-minus of negative 71. Okay. Since he joined the team, the Jazz bench now has a plus-minus rating of positive 19. I just think he's so bad defensively. Yeah. yeah. And and I, I like that Like this is original because it gives us something to talk about. But I really feel like he the fact that he was traded, it's hard for me to not also look at the Cleveland. And when you're in Cleveland, you're kind of irrelevant. And so to me, to talk about the Jazz bench, it's a 36-game sample size which isn't necessarily that large. So I'm not sure. I, I If I had made like an all-six-man team, I might not have even included Jordan Clarkson, so I'm glad you mentioned him. So we do understand I, the, how valuable he was. But I'm yeah. not sure he would, in my opinion, he's more valuable than Harrell, who I think is the best, or Schroeder or Williams. I didn't think, I, I didn't think about Harrell. I, I looked at him against more Lou Will and Dan Schroeder, where I feel like against Schroeder, he could kind of stack up. Lou Will, he was lacking, but it was also just interesting to, like, read more about him because he's one of those players who you don't think too much about. Yeah. I mean, really, I don't think he can stack up against Schroeder. I do like that you brought him up, but I don't think he can stack up against Lou or Schroeder, just considering that the Clippers are doing so well and Lou is such an important and vital piece to the team. Yeah, it is and kind that, of crazy I that mean, Harrell and Lou Williams just uh, are off the bench. Yeah. I've I've just never been a Jordan Clarkson fan. I mean, he's I've always found him to be a ball stopper. He doesn't have a very fluid game. You can just see he's a guard averaging two assists a game. Yeah, to me, he doesn't pass the eye test. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that is important. I, I agree with that. That's I, can I read the last couple of fun stats that I pulled up about yeah, him? Yeah, let's hear it. Since, sure and then it. we can move on to uh, most improved. Sure. So, um, since his arrival, they've been 17 and 6 with a 73.9% win percentage versus uh, before they had a 58.5 and they were 24 and 17. Uh, Bench production and scoring has jumped up 9.9 points and he averages the third most points a game on the team while still having the seventh most minutes. To me, honestly, the case that you're giving me is more if we were to have done an executive of the year, would be like the Jazz's general manager, Dennis Lindsay, for making that trade. Not more like Jordan Clarkson as a sixth man. 
Because that's, it sounds like it was a great trade for them. They needed a scorer off the bench. And they've got that now, but that, yeah. I think that is a better way to put it. Executive of the year goes to anyone know the Jazz GM? I, Dennis Lindsay. I looked it up. Not, I'm not going to pretend like I know all the GM. So, yeah. I so, mean, I'm not sure I would just call him that. I'm saying I like mean, that's more. I mean, I think Sammy knows my executive of the year is Uncle Dennis, but. It's every year it is. Yeah. But it's this year more than ever. Yeah. All right, but that's that's a topic for a different time. So I think we kind of have some consensus that it's Montrezl Harrell. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Most All right. Sure. And that this was a very good race. So yeah. yeah. All right. It's very good. Impressive. Most improved. Most improved. Who wants to start it off? Yoni. Um. So I went. I'll start it off. I went Pascal. Huh. I think Pascal has just been such an impressive player this year. Come, so wow. last year, last year he had 17 points, seven rebounds, three assists. So this year, 23.6 points, 7.5 rebounds, so pretty similar, and 3.6 assists, which is also very similar. Is there a precedent for winning that award back-to-back years? I, no. I don't know. I haven't looked it up. I didn't do that research. But he is his, his PR has been the same, so, and he's getting more usage. Which and it would have been higher if he had gone to Braille a full year. Exactly. He is the number one option on the number two seed in the East. No, I was saying I don't think PER is cumulative. I think it is because his PER is exact. I, I've like I've been monitoring him for most improved all year, and his PER has basically stayed the same all year. So do you do you agree with me? All right, either way, or... it's an impressive stat. Yeah, I'm, I think I, I think my biggest problem with Pascal is the efficiency numbers have barely changed. Um, his three point percentage is down. His field goal percentage is down. I, I gotta, I gotta quickly disagree. When you become the second option on the final team to the first option, and you're able to replace Kawhi Leonard's numbers well, because he went from 12 shots a game to 19 shots a game. I personally don't think he's the most improved player, but for me to see that his field goal percentage drop down, there's a clear explanation for it. Like oh, it's not out of the blue. I, I agree. He's taking a big step up. But at the end of the day, his PER last year was 18.7. And this year it's 18.7. I think the biggest reason for his jump in numbers is the fact that he's now the number one option and props to him for, for producing more as the number one option. But I don't see a huge jump in his game the way I have with other people. I think I, I agree. I just... I think Kawhi leaving opened something up for him more than he actually got much better. Understandable. Understandable. I'll also say, like, to me, winning most improved player isn't like MVP, where if you just put up, like, slightly better numbers, you deserve to win the award. For him to go from, in 2017, 7 points to 17 points last year versus 17 to 23 and all the stats kind of following that, it, like, I feel you would have had to be exponentially better to win that award twice in a row. Okay. Okay. So, Sammy, who did you have winning the award? So, after a little bit of discussion, and honestly, not the most research I had done because I it ended up being kind of cut to me. I chose Bam Adebayo. Yeah. And I mean, it's just part of it to me is like I thought of him as a bust. And when you look at it, I I, I didn't even know he had played eighty two games last year, and he only started in twenty eight of them. And the, a stat that I like to look at with most improved is minutes played. And for him to have gained 11 minutes per game, that instead of that being like a, oh, that explains why he got better to me, it's like, oh, he obviously put in the work. And so now he's an all-star, which is something I feel like is kind of a cornerstone of winning most improves. Like you go from irrelevant to all-star, he checks that box. He also is a main contributor on a playoff team, so he checks that box. 
And then the numbers themselves, he goes from nine to 16 points per game, seven to 10 and a half rebounds, two to five assists, which I think is an awesome part of his game. He has 2.5 blocks and steals combined. Uh, I don't know. I've just been impressed by him. Uh, I agree with you. Talking about Bam, I can tell you just being a Heat fan, I watch a lot of his games. One thing that he's really stepped up in is his defensive ability to really guard anyone. Not, I'm not saying he could guard someone like Kawhi or someone who's really quick. No, but, but I know what you mean. Like he switches people. onto guards. He yeah. switches so, onto guards, and he brings the ball down the court fairly well. So I, I went with Brandon Ingram. Um, I don't have a huge issue with Bam Adebayo. The one thing I would say that was the difference for me with Ingram is that he is the clear number one option on this team, and he's been he's been able to fit into that role. I mean, he's, I'm not sure I would call him the clear number one option on that for team. most of the year until Zion got back. He was. Yeah, um, but yeah. and if you just look at his numbers, eighteen point three to twenty four point three points, three and a, three assists to four and a half, half a steal to a steal. Yeah, his I gotta say, point percent. Go ahead, go ahead. His three point percentage is up six points. His free throw percentage is up almost twenty points, which shows really the improvement he's made in shooting. His PER has dropped six points, whereas it's jumped three for Adebayo. Um. So I don't have an issue with Adebayo. I just feel like Ingram has completely unlocked something. This so year. for me, um, I was looking at Brandon Ingram, and I kind of, I kind of made the determination to myself that, like I had said, being an All Star and Ingram does check that box. But to me, Ingram was a lot more relevant last year, and I, that's why I gave it to Bam Adebayo as most improved because it's like one of those players who usually are like, oh, you know, you don't think about them like C.J. McCollum, and then now all of a sudden, oh, that guy is going to get paid. And to me, Brandon Ingram already would have been paid, and he already would have been somebody who you would want to value on your team. That's, to me, the difference. Looking Looking at the end of last year, even Brandon Ingram was putting up amazing stats before he... He also started last year. He was playing amazing. But I think you can't deny that, like, Ingram made himself more money this year. And in terms of the way I don't know. I think I can deny. Like, I think if he hadn't made this jump, like, he just continued. And instead of becoming 24 points, he was, like, a 20-point scorer who shot 35% from three. I still think he would be getting a max, like, after his rookie deal. I don't know. He's definitely an improved player, but I just don't think you can say he's the most So, who'd you go with? So... I honestly, so I was heavily considering Bam Adebayo, um, but I didn't want to, like, put him being a Heat fan. I didn't want to, sh- like, be too biased. Um, I looked at Devontae Graham for a bit. Didn't love it. So I just went with Luka Doncic. It's interesting. I so think, we have four different. I think the fact that he's went from rookie of the year to being in the conversation for MVP says something. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong choosing Luca. Personally, I wouldn't pick him because I think there are better options such as Bi, Bam, and Pascal. But I do see Luca. Yeah, I think if I had to rank ours, like I would obviously choose mine first because, like, I believe it. But I think out of the other three, I would say Pascal Siakam, and then Brandon Ingram, and then Luka Doncic, just because like Luka Doncic was already a star. And yeah. I, I know yeah. I'm, I sound like a broken record, but to me, it goes from being somebody who's a role player to being a star. That's the coolest part about most improved player to me. And that's why I passed out. So would you put, 
Would you put Devontae Graham if he continues I mean, the, the way he played at the beginning of the you, season? I feel like you have to be an all-star to win most improved player in my mind. Yeah. I agree with that. And, like, we chose four first-time all-stars, which said something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so this was a good I mean, one. Devontae Graham. Devontae Graham is a very impressive player this year. Uh, I have some college PTSD from Devontae Graham. Josh is a Duke fan, so as am I, but yeah. Kansas gives him some unfortunate flashbacks. Yeah. Everything's wrong with Duke now. Yeah. Alex O'Connell. Yeah, can transfer. we take a moment of silence? We talked on the last podcast. Alex O'Connell, one of my favorite players, just announced that he is transferring. Because he was misused. While, while we are recording. I love you, Coach K, but this one's on you. It is. It's it's a rough one. It's, it's the opposite one. of Rashid oh, Suleiman. Yeah. Did he announce where he's no, going? No, he's just announced he's going he's in the portal. Yeah, he's just transferring. All right. So let's. Uh, so do we have any consensus? Right. Is there some? Is there anybody who changed their mind? No. I mean, I started off on Pascal, and I've been convinced more to Bam. I mean, because. Those two were my top okay. two anyways. So just... I, I, I'm with Bam. Doncic, I threw together at the last I think the biggest thing with Bam, Bam is it looks at, it depends how you're looking at this because I think what it comes down to is that Sammy and I have more different methodologies because Sammy's is more about the changing roles and mine is more about how much their production has changed where in terms of the per 36-minute stats, there's definitely a much bigger jump for Ingram than there is for Bam, but that's because Bam is going from 23 minutes a game to 34, whereas Ingram is basically getting the same playing time last year. So I think it's more a difference of methodology in the way that we look at it. And so ultimately, I think we're saying it was a close race, but Bam inches. I don't know. We don't have to have consensus for all of these. They can yeah. happen there. Yeah. yeah, we don't. I think for the first two, we had consensus, but most I think six man... We kind of cited Harold. Yeah. Yeah. We, and then most improved. The most improved players. I think we, we took Doncic out of it to a certain extent, but the other three are good options. Yeah. All right. So so now we got decoy. Right. Does anybody want to start? Okay. Uh, I can go first. This is a good uh, one. My defensive. So uh, my two options coming in were Giannis or Rudy Gobert. That's who I narrowed it down to after a while. I ended up going with Giannis. Um, as I mentioned to you guys before the podcast, I did a bit of research into like a couple different, I guess not arbitrary, but unknown defensive stats. Okay. Um, so probably my favorite one that I read about and it's kind of a culmination of the others is it's called difference percentage. The average difference percentage is zero. And basically difference. Is it a defensive percentage? It's a defensive stat. And if the lower, like, the more negative your number is, the better you are. And the more positive your number is, the worse you are. And basically, it's how much you affect someone's field goal percentage when you are defending. And so the negative or the better. Yeah. So Giannis had a negative 9.7 difference percentage. So basically, what were the next numbers? Can I have some context? The next numbers, so when I was looking at Rudy Gobert, I don't remember the off the top of my head, but if I can remember correctly, it's somewhere around three, like uh, minus three. And he three. was second? He wasn't set. He was my, uh, no, he wasn't negative three. He was my 7.9. But the difference for him is most of that time he was guarding, 
was within six feet. Right. So actually, I did some research. I was a little bit surprised because Rudy Gobert is actually having a little bit of an overrated defensive season. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is based yeah. on his past yeah. reputation. I mean, if we're just looking at the raw numbers, he's averaging the least amount of blocks in his career he has since 2013-14, which was his rookie year. This decision for me actually came down to Anthony Davis and Giannis because those are the two who are most consistently toward the top. But at the end of the day, the metrics just aren't close. Giannis is number one in defensive rating by almost three full points. He's at 96. Anthony Davis is in fourth at 100.8. In terms of defensive win shares, Giannis is up by 0.7. Anthony Davis is at 4.1 at second. Giannis is at 4.8. Um, in terms of defensive box plus minus, Giannis is at four. Anthony Davis is at 2.7. Just the stuff Giannis is doing is off the charts. And- so this is a good time for me to chime in because I also I can I the four people I thought about uh, were Giannis, AD, Gobert, and Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons quickly went aside, um, and then I ended up between Giannis, Anthony Davis, and I had a different approach than Josh because I looked at all the advanced stats and they were close enough to me that when I go to the stats that actually pop out at me and I see. 2.4 blocks and 1.5 steals for a total of 3.9 stocks, which is not a term that I came up with. So I got to give a little credit um, well, there. But but um, so his 3.8 compared to Giannis's or 3.9 compared to Giannis's two. That's where I decide that Anthony Davis is my defensive player of the year. So so I think yeah. for me, I saw those numbers and was tempted to go with Anthony Davis. But I feel like it's hard to look at raw defensive numbers because someone can average two seals per game and not be a good defender. And, like, I feel like the defensive, the advanced numbers are so far and away in favor of Giannis that it just shows his versatility in terms of being able to defend anywhere on the floor at a level when Anthony Davis isn't, even though Anthony Davis is a great defender. I feel like Anthony Davis is still primarily a rim protector, whereas Anthony Davis, Giannis' versatility is just... Something that's an interesting stat to me was like the block percentage and steal percentage. And so so if if you add up the numbers here on almost 8%, so like what, 1 in 12 out of every possession that an opposing team had against Anthony Davis, he would n- not even just force a turnover. Oh, no, here it is. An estimate of turnovers committed, although I'm not sure. But anyways, every one out of 12 plays, he would get a block or a steal. Versus Giannis, who might be a better defender, he would only make that difference. Because the thing with on-ball defense is it's great to be able to stop somebody with the ball, but when you don't force a turnover, who knows how that possession ends up. Any time that there's a steal, you know how the possession ended, and almost every time there's a block, you've made like so. That's well, but I, I think the problem is part of the value in the defender is the way they they affect they shots affect that they don't actually block, and I think that's where more of the advanced numbers come in. Where just Giannis, just because of his length, even when he doesn't get to the ball, is affecting things in one way or another, and he has he has lateral quickness that Anthony Davis just can't match. I think the like I agree. I mean, there's two different right. I I agree that the raw numbers are impressive, but just 
the length to which Giannis dominates in the other stats. I mean, he's ahead in defensive rating by three full points, whereas the difference um, between I the mean, number by two three and... points versus Anthony Davis having twice as many stocks, like they're not comparable. Yeah. I mean, when I was doing the research, I looked at a lot of the advanced metrics that you were all talking about. And then I looked that the Lakers are third in defensive rating, whereas the Bucks are first. So and the Bucks also lead the Lakers in defensive rating adjusted. The Bucks are an amazing defensive is, team. It, it is a bit, yeah, they're an amazing defensive team headed by one of the best, if not the best player in defensive player in the league. But I kept looking back, as Sammy was saying, to those 2.5 blocks and 1.5 steals. And I feel like if you're getting the turnovers and the blocks, yeah, it's special. Then it's just it's just special. Exactly. Like Giannis, he can guard one through five. He is an amazing, quick player. Long can guard the one through five. So did you go with AD? I kept going back. I went with AD in the end because I kept looking back to the two yeah. Five exactly. That's exactly what I did. Yeah. So wait, Aaron, did you um did you pick Giannis? I picked so Giannis. Giannis um, and another nice. another advanced metric. Again, I like looking at the advanced metrics. Um is it kind of goes with that difference I was telling you about, which is the defensive field goal percentage. And this actually breaks it down by distance of the shot. But I so, feel like it's not a, even like a fair comparison because Giannis might be guarding the perimeter, whereas Anthony Davis plays center for the Lakers half the time. Well, so actually, that's what you'd think. But Anthony Davis actually defends more shots from 15 feet away than Giannis does a game. So is that like, a, I don't even... So, like, my point is, it's the idea is where AD will be defending the paint a lot more, but he actually. So you're so now you're switching ha- to AD. No, I'm not switching to AD because he gives up more points when that happens. Like, he on makes more. it easier for someone to score on him, on like percentage wise. Yoni, are you following? I'm a little bit. I'm trying to. Okay, let me restart. Right. So defensive field goal percentage is break. The one I'm looking at is broken down into three groups: less than six feet, less than ten feet, and greater than fifteen feet. Okay. Okay. So per game, AD faces seven point two field goal attempts from greater than fifteen feet, and gives up a thirty-one percent field goal percentage. Giannis at defends 5.6 a game and gives up a 31.7. So there they're basically the same. Then when you come within the less than 10 feet, so that's like 6 to 10 feet range, Giannis faces 4.4 shots a game and has a 40.8 defensive field goal percentage versus AD facing 6.5 uh, shots a game. And he's giving up a 46.9 defensive field goal rating. Now, here's the thing that stood out to me the most. Because when I think of AD, I think of paint beast, right? Like someone who defends in the paint. On 5.4 shots a game from inside five feet, he actually gives up 50% of the shots. But what's the league average for points in the paint? Probably like 75% in the paint. But Giannis facing someone in the paint, 3.6 attempts, 41 all right. On All I'm gonna say about that though is that percentage. that's less attempts for Giannis faced, and it's also Anthony Davis getting more blocks. One and Giannis, if he's guarding guards, has a much better advantage. 
I don't know. But the but the it, goal is not to get a block. The goal is for them not to score. And I think that stat proves but, that okay, but it's on less attempts a game. A guard, I want to see that, but I need to see the numbers by position with that stat. It just I don't know. I don't see too much relevancy in all that. I just feel like when Giannis has a defensive rating of almost five over Anthony Davis, defensive win shares of almost one when they're one and two, which shows how much Giannis is ahead of him. When I mean the defensive box plus minus is is one point three ahead. It's just I don't know. I feel like the advanced numbers are so far and ahead of Giannis, and I just can't give it to AD. And that break, I feel like we yeah. should just kind of call it. We can go back and forth. I don't see us changing our mind here. I think yeah, those were the two best defensive players, and I think we should probably move on. Or is unless anybody else had a final. Yeah. No, because I don't think any of us are changing. Yeah. So okay, so those were the two best. Um, should we move Coach, on? Yeah. Coach of the Coach year. Of the year. All right, who wants to start? Um, I will. Uh, I chose Frank Vogel. It's okay. huh. you get the at least in the last five years, you get the one seed. One of them's coach of the year. Budenholzer won it last year. The Lakers, despite getting LeBron and AD healthy and there this year, are a lot better. I don't think Frank Vogel is the best coach. I think he wins coach of the year. Okay. Okay. So for going by that, then I agree with you on Frank Vogel. Um, I looked at more of overall, and I picked um, Nick Nurse. I just think what he's been able to do with this team and his coaching style where he goes extremely out of the box at times to get to eke out wins is coach of the year worthy, but I do get the idea where it's like if you're not the one seed, you're not getting it, and I would pick Vogel over Budenholzer in that case. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not always that one seed you get a thing, but that's kind of how I didn't put too much thought into my coach of the year, so I'd like to hear your guys' opinions more on this one. I mean, I went with Nick Nurse. I had It was close between Nick Nurse and Frank Vogel because I really like what you're saying, Sammy, because they're the number one seed. Their defense has really improved. Even even adding Anthony Davis, they're, like, they're the third best defensive team in the league in defensive rating. I mean, they're just one of the best, probably one or two, like the best team in the league. Right. And that is really impressive. And I agree, Frank Vogel isn't the best coach, but he might deserve it. But I ended up going with Nick Nurse just because you lose Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, one of the most valuable players in the league, and then you bring your team into the second seed in the East. It's just – and especially with all the injuries. That yeah, the it's it's incredibly good. impressive that they're better at this point in the year yeah. than they were last year. And what's their win streak? 15, Wasn't their win streak 16, 15 like games that. or something I mean, like that? For me, I went with Nick Nurse as well. I'm just, I mean, I'm looking at it. It's true that the one seed usually wins it, but not always. Three years ago. Yeah, I'm fine with Nick Nurse. I, as a three seed. I think with me, the biggest thing with Frank Vogel is I really – just don't know if he's figured out his rotations yet. I mean, watching Lakers games, there are t- there have been times this year where I've just been confused with who he's had on the floor. And I feel like with Nick Nurse, I just question him much less. And I feel like there's... Also, Nick Nurse putting Joel Embiid uh, over his minutes restrictions in the All-Star game and then Embiid getting hurt a week later is just coaching yeah. genius. So I'm fine, with, I'm fine switching over to Nick Nurse there. Yeah. So I think that's. I mean, I, th- I think we can all agree um, that Nick Nurse I is think, the best coach. I think there's a good chance that he's yeah. the best coach. Yeah, I mean, like Greg Popovich, just his team's terrible. I, I'm not sure if he's not the best coach, but yeah. 
I mean, I, I think I made a top three, and I went Nick Nurse, Frank Vogel, and Brad Stevens, just because I had to had to put, had, the... had to put Brad Stevens in there somewhere. So. <laughs> you know, I I think this is kind of funny. I pulled up the predictions that we did at the beginning of the NBA season for Coach of the Year. I put Mike Malone. Yoni put Brad Stevens. Sammy put Frank Vogel, and Josh also put Mike Malone. None of us put well, Nick Nurse. Well, because we we didn't think the ra- we thought. Look at our Raptors predictions. We probably all had to make it a playoffs. I had them the as a four seed, I think. I had the, I had the Raptors as the seven. Like, yeah, seed. exactly. I don't. Yoni think, had them as I think I mean, a six seed. I don't think any of us saw like the Raptors being this good. This yeah, year. we did. Sammy had them as yeah. a four seed, and Josh and I. Josh and I, and Josh and I, probably admittedly at the time were like. In, in, it's a best case scenario. Well, I thought they were a four seed because I didn't think the East would be this good. I mean, I remember distinctly having a conversation where I think I had the Celtics as a three seed, and I'm like, they're going to be like a 48 and 34 type three seed. Like, I did not see there being yeah. this many good teams in the East this year. This was yeah. such a shame that the NBA season ended, but yeah, okay, I'm fine switching yeah. over, and I think we should move on. Um, do we want to time put one more fun, interesting yeah. thing from our predictions? Where do you think we each put the Lakers? Um, I, 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 I think I probably, I think I probably had them as three or four. So I put them as a four seed. Yoni put them as a five. I might have put seed. them as five. Right. Sammy, you actually put them the highest. You put them Good as for a two me. seed. Did I put the Clippers as the one seed? Yeah, right, I I'm thought. And Josh put the Lakers thought, as I, the I four just, seed. Okay. So basically, what you're saying is Sammy knows the most about them. I distinctly remember my thinking. I thought that. LeBron would sort of take the regular season off and let AD carry and then come out in the playoffs. You thought it would be like a 2018 Cavaliers well, four no, seed? I, th- I thought essentially LeBron was going to play with the same mentality that he did last year, but AD was going to bring them to the playoffs. Then he would turn it on in the playoffs, basically. Yeah. For many months after they got LeBron and AD, I was just sitting in my journalism journaling minion. Going back and forth, like, are they going to be the one seed? Is LeBron going to bring it this year, or are they going to be the five? Yeah, seed? and I guess on that specific. Well, I distinctly day, I remember watching a preseason game where the Lakers just over and over again ran this LeBron AD pick and roll that was harder to stop, and I was like, "Oh shit, I may have underestimated how good they are." Yeah. Okay. It's just entertaining. This season surprised us. All right, wait, KP. I yeah. think we should save this. For a different day, because I feel like I'll save the rest. Yeah, so the rest. yeah, so can we move on? Yeah, to, all to the All NBA. You guys want to start? Do you want to go the opposite way and, and like finish with the All NBA teams? Like start with yeah. um. Okay. Yeah. Do you guys want to do rookie or defense? I say rookie. All right. Okay. All right. Do, do we want to each read our own? Well, can I start then? by by pitching something? Okay. So mm-hmm. I did not have Zion on my All Rookie First Team. We are. I also oh. want to mention that we're only doing rookie first team on this podcast. Did anybody else not have Zion? I didn't. Did Josh? Did you? I did. Did I did? I think he. So put, can I? I can quickly do had... my why Zion cannot be on this list. Not even okay. the should yeah. not, but cannot the just historical context. So uh, he only played 19 games. Had he played every single game for the rest of the year, he would have played 36 games. Like if it had been a full season. Um, rookies who have made the first team despite playing 40 or less games is just Joel Embiid uh, back in like 15-16. That's it. And he made it in a, in a historically poor rookie class where he was a finalist for rookie of the year despite only playing 31 games. Uh, the same rookie of the year 
where he lost out to not only second-round pick Malcolm Brogdon, but also received less votes than Dario Saric. So uh, Embiid sits in the record books there for all rookie first team next to Dario Saric and Willie Hernan Gomez. And I think oh all of the players yeah. on my rookie first team are more deserving, even if they're not as good as Zion is, can, or will be. So the reason I did it okay, is that's fair. what Zion did in those 20 games in that he almost brought the Pelicans within stri- like within striking distance of the playoffs. And he very... I kind of... I was never a... Uh, oh, look at Zion bringing the Pelicans. Like, Zion was awesome. The Pelicans started five games back. Now they're four games back. I don't... It's just a perception yeah. thing to me. I mean... I don't think Zion has been the defining factor for the Pelicans either way. I think Brandon... It's undeniable that, that the Pelicans took a huge... Just the eye test when he came back. I think they took a publicity They were, they were much better yeah. just watching them when he came back. They've, they've been better, but I don't think he's been that big of a bump where you can put him on your all-rookie team after playing 19 games. Right. I think it's entertaining watching Zion run. Just it is. I, I'm, I still think he's the right. best player... Even maybe right now, how do you draft, draft someone? Class, I don't think that matters. How do you draft someone knowing you're going to have to teach them to run again? Sammy, do you want to start off reading off? So your, let me uh, let's start off with the forward so that I can tell you who I had in over Zion. And I went um, with Eric Pascal first of all because uh, yeah, I had him too. Yeah, what? Right, I because I mean, 14 points in terms of non-guards and players who actually played at least. 20 games he was um he was first in scoring um and so yeah that says all he also averaged five rebounds um i also put rui hachimura uh i don't know if that's gonna get hate or not i am a wizards fan i don't think i'm being biased he second in scoring among non-guards uh first in rebounding among non-guards uh who actually like played a lot like not including like eric mika um and so I also went with Brandon Clark because I think he's also an underrated part of the Grizzlies' success. I think that he's listed as a power forward, first of all, not a center, and he's averaging 12 and 6, um, but his shooting numbers are just so impressive to me. 62% from the field, 40% from three, 80, almost 80% from the line, and I think that all three, all three of those players deserved being on my all-rookie first team more than Zion. I actually, Sammy went with the same three that you nice. did. Brent, Brent Clark, Eric Pascal, and Rui Hachimura. I don't think you're being biased at all with Rui. I think he's having having an amazing season. And I just, he just deserves yeah, to be so Yeah, I went, so I went with Rui. Can I say yeah. one thing, Josh? So the one thing I will say is that as a Wizards fan, I'm, I do have the unfortunate knowledge that the issue with Rui Hachimura is his first quarter numbers are as good, if not better, than his last three quarters. But that doesn't really matter when you're looking at this. And so I'm glad that we kind of had some consensus. Yeah, I had, I had Rui and Brandon Clark along with Zion. So you snubbed Eric Castle for yeah. Zion? Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I actually there. snuffed Rui for Zion. Okay. And do both, Josh, do you and KB still – Feels giant. Yeah, I feel. Guy. I feel like he was too good when he played too to when he played. not put him up. All right. All right. Um, I don't. I had yeah. John yeah. So, so did I. So you only. Yep. We had the same. I think KP. Did you team. have John Kendrick Nunn yeah. as well? Yeah. I feel like those were pretty obvious. Yeah. I. I 
Yeah. Originally, I put on Tyler Hero instead of Kendrick Nunn, but then I realized that was just my fandom for Tyler Hero. That would be Hero like me calling Davis Breton the most improved player. Yeah. 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 No. Tyler's fun to watch, but Kendrick is without doubt much better, and Tyler does not beat out a lot of the other rookies for all yeah. rookie first. Team. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's having a good season. But it's also cool to me that Kend- like it doesn't it didn't matter, but it's cool that Kendrick Nunn's undrafted. Yeah. Yeah. So we have so, we have a good amount of consensus. Three out of the five, and then it was just a little bit of flipping between Zion, Rui, Brandon Clark, or Eric Pascal. So I do find it interesting that we all have Brandon Clark. Um, just because I feel like uh, he should be there, and I feel like he's underrated. Also, just shout out, we we all have two Gonzaga guys here, and these Gonzaga... No, I'm pretty sure Aaron snubbed Hachimura. Uh, Well, these Gonzaga teams have taken a lot of crap for not producing good NBA players, but we all have two Gonzaga guys on our first team all-rookie. Or three of us. Except for KP. Yeah. All right. Do we want to want to move on to the all yeah. NBA defense? Let's do defense. So we also only did. First uh, team. Can I break it off? Yeah. Just, we also only did yeah. first team. Should yeah. we start with guards? Um. Yeah. I'll start with my guards. My guards were Ben Simmons and Marcus Smart. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um. And then forward. Well, let's wise, just let's start had... with guards. Okay. Let's do guards attention right. because I have a feeling all of us had Ben yeah. Simmons, right? Yeah. Did, and I have a feeling the second guard was different. Did anybody else have no, Smart? I did not. I did not. No. So who did I? I'll let you guys say your other guard first. I feel like we're we're gonna have. A I had Eric Bledsoe. I had Drew, Holiday. and I had Fred VanVleet. So this fun. is gonna be exciting. Wait, you have VanVleet? I did have VanVleet. Um, should I do a quick VanVleet case? I I would like to hear this. Case okay, first, so if everyone's so okay, my Fred VanVleet case. Um, I would first like to say that, um, the fact that he averages two steals, like one point nine, like. Right there, that's huge for guard. I think Steele's the most important guard stat, just uh, like initial stat-wise. Um, the stat that ultimately put him over, I was deciding between him and Drew Holiday, um, was he leads the league in deflections. And to me, that's just one of the most important defensive stats that never gets talked about. So I put Van Vliet over Holiday. I, I, don't, I didn't really look at Marcus Smart, so I don't know for sure. If he's better than Marcus Smart, somebody give me the Marcus Smart case. Aaron, you want to give? Uh, give me one second. I'm quickly pulling up some stats on Fred just because I want to see them. Personally, I chose Drew Holiday, but being a Celtics fan, watching Marcus Smart defend the other team's best player and doing pretty well, also being just—I feel like in the defensive side, you look at, at hustle a lot. And that's I why I yeah, that's why NBA, I like deflections. Deflections is a great stat for hustle, but also like Drew like. Marcus Smart is the pride of the Boston Celtics. He is the hustle. He's the grit and grind of the team. And I think – I mean, I didn't choose him in the end, but I do respect Aaron in choosing him because he is – I don't know if he deserves to be on the team, but – He would he definitely, definitely be second really, yeah. to me. He would be second If we did one. So, so. so for me, um, the biggest thing for me with Eric Bledsoe is – you can tell from our deep point conversation, I love the advanced stats – and Eric Bledsoe was the only guard in the top 10 in defensive rating. Um, and he was also him and OG Ananobi are the only guards in the top 20 in both defensive rating and defensive win shares. I put Simmons over OG just because there seems to be something off with Simmons's defensive rating, but we all know how good he is defensively. Um, yeah, I think it's just yeah. his height. Like he ends up starting. Um, yeah. 
Um, I can we'll I see. I just want to say, Josh, Josh, in terms of Van Vliet, just because I'm arguing for Van Vliet versus Bledsoe, win shares Bledsoe has point two more defense rating, three less, and then you just go like look at steals. He has a full steal more, and so we're right back in the conversation of it's not far enough the advanced metrics to me that I don't right. look at. Steals I agree. And this then, is a much yeah. closer one in my opinion than Giannis versus AD, but I think also with the defensive rating, the numbers are so. Tightly packs that three is a big deal. I mean, Bledsoe is seventh. I mean, but Van Vliet's played 200 more minutes. Like, it's, I don't know. See, I, I see what you're saying, but then you look at, like, Drew Holiday, and he's averaging 1.7 steals, so very close. To right, Van but Vliet, one but less defensive win share is a big deal. Yeah, I agree, but also point, point seven blocks compared to point three. It's just, like, it seems like not that big of a difference, but I think it's very close. But then, Josh, you, you showed yeah. Eric Bledsoe in the end, correct? So I, I see what you're saying, but then if you look at like top ten, like um, what was the stat that you were using, defensive win shares? But I think Daniel Tice also is in the top ten in the NBA, but I'm not really thinking of. Him and defensive, like defensive win shares, team. I don't see him here. I, I he's not top ten. He's not top ten. Well, I think I was looking at. Okay, maybe I was looking at the stat, but I think there was one stat where he was maybe top five. So. Daniel Tice is 46 in defense. Okay, what I do want to say is Marcus Smart aside, because I just really didn't think about him, and I'm still not sure I would put him on the first team. I would say that Bledsoe passes the advanced metrics. Drew Holiday passes, like, the base looking at blocks and steals total. And then Van Vliet, to me, won because he was just behind in both of those. And overall, I would say that. one thing with me with Van Vliet is he's not necessarily always guarding the best player because the other guard on his team is Kyle Lowry. And you're going to try to convince me that Eric Bledsoe is? He's usually is? guarding their best guard. Yeah. I mean, I Kyle think, Lowry think, yeah. is, ahead of, it's guarding the best is ahead of Fred Van Vliet in defensive win chairs. They, they have two elite defenders in the backcourt, whereas the Bucks are a great defensive team, but Bledsoe usually is guarding the other team's best guard at the very least. Honestly, if we're using that argument, like the way you just proposed it, and I agreed with it, I would choose Drew Holiday still over Eric Bledsoe. Because Drew Holiday's not on a good yeah. defense team, and he's still playing well defensively. Yeah, I mean, the Bucks are the best defensive yeah. team. It's hard for me to choose Giannis. It's hard for me to choose anybody from that team because they're so good at defense. If it was team defense, they would, they're one of the best yeah. ever. See, that's... Brooke Lopez is like yeah. fourth in defensive right, win shares as well. flip from yeah. last year. I don't know. Yeah. So I don't think we're yeah. going to come to a consensus here. You, Aaron, did you change your mind to anybody? Yeah. Um, I definitely changed it off Marcus, but I, I'm sorry, Sammy. I don't think I can go with Fred. So who do you end up going with? I feel like I'm happier choosing Drew Holiday right. because he definitely is just like he's going to go against the best player. Like he'll guard a, a – like I've watched some Pelicans games. He'll go up against a big man and not stop him, man. but he'll he'll put up a fight. Okay. Yeah. Understandable. Comparatively, where I don't really trust Bledsoe to pop I mean, the fight. listen, I'm well documented yeah. with know. not being an Eric Bledsoe fan, but I, yeah, I, I, at least I like his Bledsoe. defense. Okay. I, I just don't think you can look at Eric Bledsoe because they're such a good defense. But I, yeah. But I, I, I think he plays a role in that. I mean... Yeah, but I mean, Brooke Lopez... But does he play as much of a role of Brooke Lopez and AD? I, I, I yeah. thought Van Vliet would be my most controversial pick. Mm-hmm. I I didn't even come in thinking, oh, maybe I'll pick Van yeah. Vliet, to be honest with you. So... Yeah. All right. 
So, do we want to do all NBA teams? We got backcourt now. Right guard. No, we got still right got backcourt. Frontcourt, my oh, bad. Yeah, I think we should do finish this one off, and then we'll save the next all NBA. For okay. Pod. I I agree well, with that. Aaron wanted to continue, I think, but it's okay. We'll do that next pod. Next, yeah, I pod, think that's we'll a good idea because it's already pretty long. Playoff predictions for hypothetical. Yeah, it's just a good way, it's yeah. a good way to start. Well, I feel like all NBA will end up being a long time. That I, We'll figure it out. So, all right. who wants to start with their um, – I feel like we're going to have some consensus here. I can start it off. All right, go ahead. One. So, I put Giannis, AD, and Hassan Weiss. Okay. Um, because one one thing that Josh said earlier – well, first off, we'll start with Giannis. That's just yeah. obvious. Yeah. AD, their obvious choice. The only slight issue that I had – was Hassan Whiteside versus Rudy Gobert. I chose Gobert. Rudy I'm just Go- going to say that. Rudy Gobert. I chose Gobert as well. You chose Rudy Gobert? Josh, I, ha- I counted Anthony yeah. Davis as a center and went with him. Oh, well, Anthony Davis was listed as a right. forward. Wait. Right, that's so I what I had Anthony said Davis. before. You... I cheated a little bit with positions. So who did, why? Who did you need to put on? Kawhi? Okay. All right. It's interesting. I, I think the only reason that I put Hassan Whiteside on is he's averaging three blocks a game. And I was looking at the advanced metrics, and I was looking at the like the basic like stats per game, and that's just a crazy amount of blocks to have. Yeah, it is. And especially what Josh was saying earlier, Rudy Gobert is taking a step down this year. And I still think he's all. That's why I didn't pick him for defensive player of the year for the third straight year. I still think he makes all defensive first team. I think his body of work speaks more than um, Hassan Whiteside in terms of. Uh, they're both. It's it's incredible to me that they're both have ten plus win shares. I think either of them is a fine choice. I chose Gobert because I think the stats don't do enough for me where I can be like, Hassan Whiteside is better. And so mm-hmm. I, I went with Rudy Gobert. It was kind now, of a, a gut. I know this is thing. not like really a good argument, but this is just the way I felt with Gobert is I just couldn't put a guy on all NBA first team who we've spent the entire season saying, boy, they can't play the Rockets because of how much of a defensive liability he is. I just feel like... No, I I can't let you say that. Because if the Trailblazers played the Rockets, it's on Whiteside couldn't play any... But it's... But especially with Rudy Gobert, he it's just... We have documented evidence that he can't be on the floor against the Rockets. It's something I, with him. Uh, it just doesn't work. It's just, it's just a problem with me. It... Why, I mean... But he'll keep people six and feet away Harden from the rim, Josh. Floats it over him or throws the alley I mean, it's we just, saw Westbrook baby him. I I went with Rudy Gobert, and I, I don't just, think I'm going to get my mind changed there. The only guy I would honestly yeah. put – it's, like, hard for me to really – it's just – Joel Embiid is an amazing defender. He just doesn't put in the effort. I think Hassan Whiteside yeah, and Gobert – Embiid's, Embiid's played 44 games. Yeah, I think Hassan Whiteside and Gobert are the only two options for center if we're using the actual position. And I, I went with Gobert, so, yeah. So you would have gone with Hassan um, Whiteside, Josh? No, I would have. If we if, if I didn't cheat with AD, I would have okay. gone with Gobert. Okay, so I think the front court, there's a certain amount of consensus. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm still stuck on Hassan Whiteside, but yeah. I understand. Yeah. All right. Gobert. So I think this was a successful, a successful pod. It was a nice long one. Uh, so... Any yeah. closing remarks, and then next pod we'll get to our all NBA teams. It's a nice cliffhanger ending. Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting. Like, 
I remember when Hassan got traded to the Trailblazers. I was extremely excited to get him away, just because like yeah, I don't think I didn't he enjoy would work. watching him, and I think I'd still say that's true. I don't think he would fit with the speed that the Heat play with, and I don't think he can do what Bam does on offense or defense. But it's just like seeing those three blocks. I didn't even realize that he is he's averaging three blocks a game. Like, it just makes me think of to, like, when Hassan got his name, the 2015-2016 season, when he was averaging 3.7 a game. Like, it, it just, I, I just feel like it's fun Hassan, to watch. Again. I know there's really no such thing, but it almost feels like empty blocks to me. Like, when I'm watching the Trailblazers, I just don't feel like he has that huge of an impact on the floor. I've just never been a Hassan Whiteside fan, but I feel like, he, like, does a lot of good things, but he's never really passed the eye test for me. I've always found him to be a little bit overrated. Um, I don't know. That's just the way I've always felt. Do you think we don't use the that, eye test Well, enough? I think, like, I I think, think Josh doesn't use the eye test enough. I think we were... I tried to use it, and it wasn't – nobody was – not no pun intended – opening their eyes. I just think we did too many hard – I don't think we used enough. I, I mean, that's why I went with AD. That's why I, I mean, didn't go Eric. But like, I used yeah. a lot. Of, I I don't think I would fall under that. I actually think I actually think just as well. That was just I think as a, a main reason for my thumb, argument. For advanced smart. numbers tell you correlate more with the eye test because a guy can be a terrible defender but get two steals in a game. But on the but other the end, metrics will tell you that he didn't. Play the other well end of the spectrum is stuff like Bradley Beal. Just because I'm familiar with them, because the Wizards, he like there's a lot of like advanced stats that call Bradley Beal the worst defender in the league, like literally, and it just it just isn't the case. He's forced to go up against the other team's best player every night. I I don't want to get into a whole Beal thing because I think I'll probably end up talking about him a different time. But I'm not. I don't put all my eggs in the advanced stats basket. Yeah, I I, I have a lot of Beal stuff ready for next podcast. Okay, so um. We're approaching the one hour mark. I think it's a good time to end. Uh, anybody else have anything quick to add? Um, just a bit of a cliffhanger. We might have another pod coming out tonight, a bonus pod with just me breaking down ESPN's bracket of greatest college basketball players of all time. So look forward to that. That's as well. exciting stuff. Um, check yeah. out any pods you haven't listened to. Uh, right now, with no active sports going on, there's really no, oh, this is kind of outdated. Um, other than that, make sure to check out the Instagram, the Floater Pod. Make sure to subscribe on Spotify so that you it pops up in your feed mm-hmm. every time. And uh, on that note, stay loyal.